0: Well, greetings this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good to see each and every one of you today. Thank you for joining us in worship. Give yourselves a hand. Just want to say thank you to uh, Kim and our worship team. Uh, just thanks for um, the songs chosen. Uh, just the the message. Uh, God is faithful. Uh, his love keeps pursuing us. I mean, those songs are just so so personal, and uh, um, it just reminds us that we have a great God, a wonderful God. Well, you're probably wondering why we have these big spools of thread on our stage. Uh, Your son did that, Major Ball. Now, this is for our new sermon series. We have a new sermon series starting today. Uh, We concluded last week our series on the fruit of the Spirit, and uh, so we got rid of the fruit stand, and we got the sewing kit out. So... No, but the, our new our new series, sermon series, you can see it on the bulletin. It's called Threads. Threads, and that's supposed to be thread. It's a very thick thread. And, uh, but it says threads, the gospel and personal evangelism. And uh, we're talking about the threads, what we call, we're going to be calling the threads of the gospel. These are truths from the word of God, and it has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says personal evangelism. So we as disciples of Jesus Christ, we as followers of Jesus, that is our mandate. That's the Great Commission uh, in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and make disciples. And so part of our job as believers, and that includes every one of you that claim to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is that we are to go out. Going out, we make disciples. And a big part of making disciples is sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, to those who don't know the good news. So we're going to be focusing on that for the next several weeks. And we're going to be talking about threads, truths of the gospel. And it's going to be very practical as well. So hopefully we can learn some of these truths. And then we can put, put it into practice in a very practical way. That we can, um, very non-intimidating way, that we can be evangelizing. Which is a big word. Which is telling people about Jesus. And most people, most Christians, I would have to say, if I were to take a survey, um, were probably a little bit nervous or anxious. If I I were to tell you, okay, we're all going to go out and evangelize, probably some of you would leave. But there's a couple of reasons why I think people are maybe a little bit hesitant or anxious if they're called to go and preach the gospel, so to speak. Number one, I think it's because, and I think it's a valid reason, and we hope to remedy that, it's because I think a lot of Christians aren't quite sure what the gospel is. They may not be very um, knowledgeable or experienced. What exactly is the gospel? Yeah, maybe we, I know about asking Jesus into my heart and my life, and my life's changed a little bit. But I don't understand all this God and sin and reconciliation and all this other big terminology, words that we use. So that may be part of it. The other part of maybe being hesitant to go out there is just sheer fear. Just fear. We're afraid to go out there. We're afraid probably that we're going to be rejected. We're, we're blessed because we live in a country where we can go out there and tell other people about Jesus. There's other parts of our world that you're not free to do that. And you could probably get persecuted or even killed uh, for proselytizing or for sharing the Word of God with others. But a lot of us are afraid, probably because we'd be ridiculed. Can you imagine going to school or going to the office and talking about Jesus? It's kind of like, kind of awkward, right? Unless you work at the Crocs Center and then we talk about Jesus freely here. But anyway, our theme is Threads, Threads of the Gospel, and hopefully there'll be some practical help for so that all of us will be able and be uh, just very comfortable and very confident about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the Gospel. So we're starting this six-week series today. It's entitled Threads. And I have to tell you the truth that we, uh, we basically got this idea from a sermon series uh, that another pastor preached and prepared, and that's Dr. David Platt. Some of you may know him. And uh, it's, a great, uh, it's a great series, um, and he doesn't mind us using that because it's for the glory of God and the extension of his kingdom. So we thank Dr. David Platt. And our specific goal for our sermon series is to encourage you, encourage each and every one of you, To share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, with people around you, very naturally and very seamlessly. And so you can, as we're going to talk more about, you can weave the threads, the truths of the gospel, into your everyday conversations and interactions. So let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel. And your apostle Paul, Lord, wrote, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be bold and that we would be confident and that we would entrust you and, uh, and, and rely on your Holy Spirit as, so that we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not afraid of or ashamed to talk about it, to share it with others. So Lord, help us to understand this morning. We pray all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. And it's important to understand that as we go out and evangelize, as we go and tell others and share the good news of Jesus Christ, again, you have to understand, you don't do it in your own strength or in your own power. As we learned in our last sermon series, the fruit of the Spirit We don't produce it ourselves. It's not through our effort. It's not through our hard work. It's not even through our own disciplines. But it's the fruit of the Spirit. As we surrender ourselves, as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, He bears the fruit. He produces the fruit. And we get to enjoy it. We get the benefits of that. And so by the same token, as we try to go out and win the world for Jesus, again, it's not through our own strength, not through our own adequacy, not through our own self sufficiency. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the good thing about that is, He goes before us, He prepares the way for us. And whether you realize it or not, the Lord is already preparing the field. And all we have to do is is listen and be aware and be attentive and respond to the moving of the Holy Spirit because he's already moving in people's hearts. He's already moving in your situations, wherever you're at, whether it's at home, at work, school, in your neighborhood. And he's already preparing the field. And we have to come in and be attentive and listen to the Holy Spirit and respond, respond. So God is drawing people to himself. He's already doing that. Because he wants his people saved from their sins, and he loves them, and he loves us enough to involve us in his work in their lives. So I want you to take a look at the big screen. There's five questions up there. I call them the ultimate questions. And these five questions are, uh, are they're questions that people around us, that people around the whole world, are asking, and you've probably asked yourself some of these questions as well five ultimate questions that shape our view of the world. And the first one is, who is God? Who is God? Does God exist? And if he does, what is he like? And the second question, who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Do I really have any value or worth? Or is there a purpose to my life? Or am I simply a product of an evolutionary process, here one day and gone tomorrow? Who am I? All religions in the world have different answers to these fundamental questions about God, about who God is, and about who we are. Which leads us to the third question, which says, How is Jesus unique? Now you've got all kinds of religions in the world, all kinds of religious leaders, aren't they all fundamentally saying the same thing? Is one superior to the others, or do we just pick and choose whichever works best for us? Here's a question. Are we followers of Jesus just because we were born into this part of the world where there are Christian churches everywhere? Or would we believe something different if we were born in India where there's Hindu temples everywhere? Or if we were born in the Middle East where there's mosques everywhere? Is there anything that is really unique about Jesus that sets him apart from other religious teachers? Or is he just another good teacher on the broad landscape of human history? And if he is unique, Then it begs the next question. Then what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? After all, there's lots of people who claim to be Christians, but their lives look just like the rest of the world. And it's a reality that many people here, many people around the world, culturally identify themselves as Christians who biblically are not followers of Christ, These are masses of people who claim to be Christians, but who are really not truly followers of Jesus. So what does it mean to know Jesus? What does it really mean to follow Jesus? And that's a huge, huge question as well. And hopefully we'll be able to answer that in the next several weeks. And then here's the final ultimate question you can see up there. It says, why is this important? Why why does this matter? Is religion that important? Is Christianity that important? Why even talk about these things? You see, these are real questions. Perhaps real questions that maybe some of you are asking in your own hearts or in your own minds. And these are real questions in other people's hearts and minds as well. But all of these questions relate to the gospel. To the gospel. So let's take a look at these gospel threads. And so the Bible, specifically the gospel, addresses each of these questions. All five of these questions have five distinct points. And that's what we're calling them, the gospel threads. The truths of the gospel. You see, the gospel speaks about the character of God. Who he is and what he's like. Who is God? We're going to discover a little bit more about that today. And then the the gospel answers the question, who am I? Who am I? And next week Matt's going to answer that question as he talks about the sinfulness of man. And then springing from that, the gospel points us to the sufficiency of Christ and the necessity of faith. And this all leads back to the final thread, the urgency of eternity. The urgency of eternity. And that's why we need to put aside whatever fears you may have, whatever anxious thoughts you may have, and not be afraid to speak the gospel to people who don't know it. There's got to be a sense of urgency. And so our goal, our goal for the next several weeks is to help us think through how we can share this gospel every day in your everyday life in your everyday world. And that's the purpose behind this whole imagery of the threads. As the person who's making that masterpiece, they weave or sew those threads. And we need to be doing that with the truths of the gospel, that we weave them, sew them into our everyday life, so it just becomes a natural part of who we are. So then, let's weave these things, these truths, these threads, into the fabric of our everyday conversations. And let's continue to pray that God will open the eyes of people around us to see his beautiful tapestry of glory and grace. And I hope that in this imagery and in this series we'll see how accessible, how fairly simple and easy sharing the gospel is for all of us so that you wouldn't have any fear of doing it. So let's move on. Let's look at uh, this first gospel thread, which is the character of God. So we're starting today with the character of God, and what we'll do every week is spend some time looking at that particular character, and then we'll spend some time practically thinking through ways to weave this gospel thread into the fabric of our everyday lives, okay? So there'll be a little bit of teaching, and then some hopefully some practical application. So let's, let's, let's move on. So let's think about this first thread, the character of God. And it can be summed up in this truth. God is the holy, just, and gracious creator of all things. God is the starting point of the gospel. And if we're not clear on who God is, and you have to be absolutely clear in your own mind and in your own heart, And if you're not clear about who God is, who His character is, then you wouldn't understand anything else that comes after that. So this is very important. This is the foundation. I tell my guys in my men's Bible study, you all have to have a good understanding of who God is. You have to have your own theology, what your understanding of God is. And it can't just be your own thing, it needs to be. It needs to come from the Word of God. But all of us, each and every one of us, need to have a personal theology of God. and it needs to be fully understood from within His word. And so we see that uh, the first thing and there's three attributes this morning there are many more attributes that God has, but I just want to focus on these three this morning. The first one is that God is holy. God is holy. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, God is holy. holy. Turn to your other neighbor and say, "God God is holy. Isaiah 43, 15 says this, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Now what does it mean for God to be holy? It means that God is perfectly unique. He's completely separate. He's absolutely pure. Yes, um, he's separate from us. In other words, he is of another kind. Yes, we are made in His image, and so we are a reflection of Him in one sense, but He's different from us. And he's absolutely pure. You see, there is nothing, there's nothing wrong in God. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with God. Everything God is and everything God does is right. And we have to understand that. This is what it means for him to be holy. And so I hope you have that firm understanding that God is holy. And the next characteristic, this seems a little bit tougher to perhaps grasp. The second one that is, the first one's God is holy, the second is God is just. God is just. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is just. just. Say it one more time, God is just. just. Proverbs 17, 15. It says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. You see, this verse is is very key to understanding the gospel. And here's why. This verse makes it very clear that God is a good judge. He's a good judge. I hope our next Supreme Court Justice is a good judge. Are you guys tired of all that stuff? Are you glad it's over? Yes. But as a good judge, God justifies the innocent and he condemns the guilty. And as a good judge... God is outraged by injustice. Injustice is an abomination to him. You see, God hates and he detests injustice. And so he detests those who say to the guilty, who say to the wicked, you are innocent, you are good, or those who say to the innocent, you are guilty. This is an abomination to God because God is a good judge, he's a just judge. And he, like any good judge, says to the guilty, you're guilty. And he says to the innocent, you're innocent. Because he's a perfect judge. He's a just judge. So follow me on this just for a few more minutes. God himself says that if you justify the guilty, if you say that the guilty are innocent, then you are an abomination to the Lord. And that's not good. And it begs the question then, how then can God justify the guilty? For as soon as he does, he is an abomination to himself. And how can God look at guilty sinners and say innocent and still be just? You see, this is the ultimate question of the entire Bible. You put it in contemporary terms, if there was a judge in a courtroom today who knowingly said to a guilty criminal, you're innocent, then we would have that judge removed and thrown off the bench immediately. Why? Because the judge is not just. Because the judge was not right. And so you do you see this? God's forgiveness of sinners is a threat to his character. If God just overlooks sin, then his justice and his holiness are completely compromised. And he's no longer God. In fact, it was John Stott who said, Forgiveness of sins is for God the profoundest of problems. Now let's move on before we end that discussion. And we'll see that as we progress in these gospel threads, how this problem is solved. But we've got to see, we've got to, we've got to feel that tension that God felt. You see, God is holy, and God is just. And then that leads us to the third attribute of God. There's this, this tension that's there, and when this third attribute comes in, there's that release of that tension. And what do you think that characteristic is. Anybody want to guess? I heard that. Third attribute of God we're looking at this morning is that God is gracious. God is gracious. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is gracious. gracious. One more time, God is gracious. gracious. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Now what does grace mean? This word is so important. This is one word that distinguishes Christianity from every other religion in the world. There's a story told of C.S. Lewis walking into a meeting where religious scholars from around the world were debating whether or not There was anything truly unique about Christianity. And they turned to C.S. Lewis and asked him, What do you think? And C.S. Lewis responded, That's easy. The answer is grace. Here's what it means for God to be gracious. It means that God shows the guilty free and unmerited favor. He gives the guilty what they don't deserve. And he spares them what they do deserve. And why, why this is so important is because religions all around the world are built on doing certain things, taking certain steps, observing certain rules and regulations in order to get to God, in order to earn the favor of God, in order to appease the gods. And the message of the gospel is that God does not require anything in in order for you to earn his favor. He shows free and unmerited favor to those who could never earn it. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So there we have it. We have a holy God, we have a just God, then we have a gracious God. And we've got to understand that. You have to come to terms with that in your own heart and in your own mind and in your own relationship with God. So now, now that we know these three uh, threads, how can we weave these gospel threads into the fabric of our everyday conversation? Let's think practically about opportunities that you'll have as early as today with your family, at lunch, around friends, with your neighbors, tomorrow when you go to work or Tomorrow night, when you're working out, or whatever else you do, and whoever you are around, today, tomorrow, this week, we need to be looking intentionally for opportunities to weave the gospel into the fabric of every conversation. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well let's take a look at it, and I think it's fairly simple. It's fairly easy. How can we talk about God as creator? How can we talk about him as creator? Think about practical ways to let the thread of the gospel infuse your conversations with your kids, with your coworkers, with your friends and your neighbors. The list says up here, acknowledge the glory of God in creation every chance you have. You see, God is at work revealing himself to people all around us in creation. Point people to his glory in creation. And those of you who live in Hawaii, it's very easy to do that. Let me tell you. How many of you like looking at the sunset over the ocean? Or the sunrise or the rainbows over the mountain? So when you see a wonderful sunset, here's something you do. Instead of saying, and we've all said this, look at that sunset. It's majestic. Instead say, look at the glory of God In that sunset. He is majestic. Don't talk about creation. Like you're an atheist. That you don't believe God's around. That he didn't create it. Honor him. Give him his due. And similarly acknowledge the presence of God. In specific facets of your life. For instance if you get asked that question. What's going on in your life? It takes on a whole new meaning when you are intentionally weaving the gospel into the fabric of your conversations. Again, don't talk like an atheist, like God is nowhere to be found in your life. Talk like God is present in your life, because He is. We just sang that song, He will never leave us alone. He's right with us. So in our everyday conversations, make sure he's sort of part of the conversation. At least he's acknowledged. So, when someone asks you what's going on in your life, say, well, God is working in my life in this way or in that way. It shows the unbeliever that, you're act, that you actually believe in God. And not just in God, but in a personal God who knows you and you know him. You know, I, I really like it when... Um, After a game, a professional uh, baseball, basketball, football game, whatever, when they interview uh, the hero of the game, and if the guy's a Christian, the first thing he says is, I just want to give thanks to God. (laughs) That's a way to honor God. He's got one of the largest audiences, a national audience, and he attributes his skill or the win or whatever it is to God. It's a great way to witness. A great way to witness. So how about when you're making a tough, uh, tough life decisions and you're talking about your options, it's a perfect opportunity to say something like, God is leading me in this direction. Or God is guiding me to make this decision. Or God is showing me this realization. And remember, nothing is by chance, right? Nothing is a coincidence. The sovereignty of God is on display in every facet of our lives. So let this gospel truth that God is our creator, let it infuse our daily conversations. See how important it is to understand the character of God? And it's very easy. Let's, let's talk about the holiness of God. Let's talk about the holiness of God and using it in our everyday conversations. Well, how do you talk about God's holiness in everyday conversation? You see, holy is not a word that a lot of people use. Unless you say, holy, beep. Right? So think about that. How can we talk about God's holiness in an everyday conversation? One way, one way, is to speak about God with reverence and with awe. Speak about God with a a clear sense that you are talking about the creator of the universe who is perfectly unique, who's completely separate, and who's absolutely pure. And at the same time, how do you honor God's holiness? When you speak about yourself with genuine humility. Let your awareness of God's holiness create a genuine sense of humility in your tone of voice and in the things you say. May it be clear in your speech that you are small and God is big. You see, prideful speech, prideful speech always undercuts the gospel. Let me repeat that. Prideful speech always undercuts the gospel. Let the holiness of God infuse your daily conversations. And then let's move on. God is holy, God is just. How do we talk about the justice of God? Well, look, at for, look for opportunities to express confidence. Confidence in God before others, even when things go wrong. When something goes wrong in our lives or in the world around us, when injustice occurs and it happens, Confess confidence in the justice of God. Remember, he is just, and his justice will reign in the end. And there's a confidence here in God's justice that cannot be expressed by someone who does not believe in God. And how about this thought? Express remorse before God and others when you do something wrong. Again, we undercut the gospel when we respond to our own wrongdoings with pride or with, with denial. When we realize we have a God who is our judge, and he's a just judge, and we can't hide anything from him, it changes the way we react when we do something wrong. So before others, acknowledge your guilt and your need for forgiveness from a just God. And then as you observe evil and suffering in this world, and it's all around us, speak with hope about the world to come. The gospel reminds us that history is, is moving towards a goal. And specifically, the justice of God reminds us that God and good will eventually triumph. Amen. Evil and injustice will one day be disposed of. And that's good news. So speak to that fact. Speak to it. God is holy. God is just. And the last point, God is gracious. How do we talk about the grace of God? We have opportunities galore. We have to recognize those opportunities. We could talk all day long about God's grace. But here's what we should do. Constantly point out evidence of God's grace in and around you. You don't have to look very far to see God's grace alive and well and working in your life and other people's lives around you. Our every breath at this particular moment is evidence of God's grace. This is why we pray before we eat. Did you know that's why we call it grace? Because we acknowledge that the food in front of us is evidence of God's grace. So look around you at all times and point out evidence of God's grace because it's all around us. And then related to that, consistently credit God as a source of everything good in and around you. When something good happens, thank God. Express gratitude to God for good around you, for the good in you. When someone compliments you, point them to the goodness of God. We just did our, our Croctoberfest here in, uh, last Friday. We had about 2,000 people here. And it was, and the reason we did it was because God has been so good to us. And we just, wanna, we just wanted to bless our community in thanksgiving to God for his goodness. So we can do things like that. Consistently credit God as a source of everything good. And then along the way, Acknowledge your need for God's grace. We need to continue to do that. May it be clear to those around us that you are dependent on God's grace. And then lastly, express your gratitude for God's grace as he gives it. Speak as grateful people. Most of all, be grateful for the salvation that he has given you. Do people around you know how grateful you are for God's saving grace? Do they know how much Jesus Christ means to you because he died on the cross for your sins and you've been forgiven? Don't be afraid to say thank you, Lord, in front of other people. So here's the challenge. I'm going to ask Matt and the worship team to come up. Here's the challenge this week. I'm going to challenge you to speak about the character of God all day long this week. You've got to be intentional about it. In all your conversations with Christians, with non-Christians, with family and with friends, with your spouse or with your children, at home or at work, in the store or at the ball fields or in the gym or in the coffee shop, speak about the character of God. And do this particularly with people that you've been praying for in your own sphere of influence, Who don't know Christ yet. Be intentional. Let's weave the threads of the gospel into the fabric of our conversations with people this week. And so we're going to pray in just a few moments. And what I want you to do, as our worship team is singing, I want you to allow God the Holy Spirit. To place people's names in your mind and on your heart. Perhaps people who do not know the Lord, or perhaps people that are far away from the Lord. Bring them to the Lord in prayer. Perhaps they're far away from you physically. Pray that someone else will come around them and offer a word of hope and encouragement and that we can speak about some of the truths of the gospel just in a very non-intimidating way. But allow the Lord to speak to your heart and mind and to bring those people to mind, and then lift them up in prayer as well. And as they're singing as well, pray that the Lord will help you to be more mindful in your everyday conversations about weaving those threads the gospel threads in your life on a daily basis. As they sing, uh, the place of prayer is always available and open. If you'd like to come here and just kneel and pray, you're welcome to do that. No one will bother you. If you want to pray with someone uh, or talk to someone, we have some people on the side that we'd be more than happy to talk with you and to share with you and to pray with you. But as they sing this morning, just allow God the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. I'd like to pray for you this morning. If there's a prayer concern or need or request? Just slip up your hand and slip it back down. I'd be happy to pray for you. Yes, God bless you. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, because you're a holy God. You're a just God, and you're a gracious God. We thank you because you love us with an everlasting love. You care for us with compassion and with mercy and with grace. And Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to give us the promise of eternal life and an abundant life here on earth right now. And Heavenly Father, I pray for those who raised their hands, who've acknowledged a need, who said, yes, Lord, I need some extra help right now. Father, you know our hearts and you know our needs, you know our our, our pains and and our hurts and our burdens. And Lord, we bring them to you. You say that we can come to you at any time and bring our burdens to you and give them to you and you in return give us something that's a lot easier to handle so lord we thank you for that so lord i just lift up our needs that are represented here in our ohana i pray father that you would your holy spirit is already beginning to work and ministering to our souls and to our spirits so how do you father bring bring comfort bring healing bring rest, reconciliation and, and and restoration lord if there, are any, if there are any relationships that are broken or wounded, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just come in between all of that. And soften hearts and melt the hardness. We pray, Father, that you continue to be with us now. Thank you, Lord. We love you, we worship you, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.